Danny, I've got a second opinion. Exclusive. Exclusive. How exciting is this? I, I don't even know <coughs> at this point of this stage of what this podcast is, what an exclusive even means. Well, I just think it's something that we'll be able to talk about well in advance of quite a lot of people and I would say pretty much any other film podcast out there right now. I think I might know where you're going with this. I think you probably know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Even though we haven't spoken about it at all tonight. Yeah. But last night, I got to go to a super, super special screening of Isle of Dogs. All right. A full... I believe the release date is the 23rd of March. Okay. So I've got to see it a full month ahead of everybody else. At this point, it's only been screened in Berlin, at a film festival in Berlin, and then twice at the Glasgow Film Festival in the same night. How cool is that? That's really cool. You pretty cool, man. You got it. Did you get on Letterboxd and stuff? Because you'll be one of the first. I up there. did get it on Letterboxd, and I thought, you know what? I thought I can't. Normally, I don't put reviews. Hmm. Normally, I'm not a review guy. If I do leave a review, it's usually a joke. But with Isle of Dogs, I thought, well, I'm so far in advance. I kind of feel like I have to scoop up those sweet, sweet likes. Yeah. Those sweet, sweet letterbox likes. So I left a little review. I left a little review for it. But it, again, it's not a review because I can't... I, I feel like... I feel like with leaving a regular review on Letterboxd, nobody's going to read it anyway. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't have followers or anything. Like, I have Letterboxd for myself because I like to keep track of the movies I watch. Documentation. There are people on Letterboxd who are very good at film criticism and very good at articulating that in a Letterboxd review. I'm not. So I don't bother. So I like to leave little jokey ones instead. Um, but the review I left for... Uh, Isle of Dogs. Um, I'm looking up the review. I could just say it because I remember it. <laughs> but I, I'm curious to see what you, you think about this. And this will kind of lead into Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. At the moment, it's currently sitting on seven likes, Danny, which is my most liked Letterboxd oh, review. Oh, wow. Uh, currently, people. up until then, my most liked one was uh, my review on Jim and Andy. Yeah. Uh, which had four. And a comment. Ooh. Which is this is one going to get a comment, though? It, it, you never know. You never know. You, you never really know. can't. I like it. how it's. this has become... Like, I just wanted to talk about Isle of Dogs. And now it's become a sort of <laughs> ego trip thing of, like, how many <laughs> likes can I get on a website that doesn't matter? Well, this is the closest Second Opinion's ever going to come to a press screen. To an ex- yeah, it is. It's quite exciting. I was buzzing. So my review currently is... Uh, I had the chance to see this at the opening night of the Glasgow Film Festival. <clears throat> I think George Clooney once said that he didn't understand exactly who Fantastic Mr. Fox was made for. And I think that same question can easily be applied to Isle of Dogs. In fact, I can already hear the sounds of thousands of confused parents dragging their children back into the cinema foyer 15 minutes in and demanding their tickets are swapped for a screening of Sherlock Gnomes instead. Because Sherlock Gnomes comes out on roughly the same day, Danny. I did some research before I made this review because I wanted to be... As topical as I could. You are you are head of topical, <laughs> my friend. You're a futurist. Also, you are a predictor. You're an astronomer. Also, spoiler alert. Uh, no, sorry. Um, not spoiler alert. A uh, little bit of foreshadowing there for our Sherlock Gnomes review. Hey, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I got to see Isle of Dogs. Yeah, how was it then? It's pretty frigging good, man. It looks good. So wonderfully creative. You have no idea 
Um, especially the kind of opening 20 minutes as you get introduced to the plot and the characters and the trash island and things like that is just a roller coaster of creativity. You kind of get whiplash at times with how quickly things move. Even so much that like he does his kind of signature uh, like tracking panning mm. shots um, but that some of them move so quickly that there's literally motion blur like very severe motion blur it's very exciting very exciting to watch um, cool. yeah all the the whole voice cast is incredible especially the kind of main five are a lot of fun um, just I don't I mean I definitely I don't think it's like his his best work but I definitely think it's it's up there pretty high man but what is it <laughs> Isle of Dogs or Fantastic Mr. Fox? Ooh, that's... Uh, I haven't had enough time to process right. Isle of Dogs. Because I've seen Fantastic Mr. Fox, like, a bunch of times. I'd say I've seen it at least seven or eight times. A lot of time to kind of grasp what I like about that movie. Isle of Dogs, only seen it one time. Isle of Dogs is original, though. That's interesting. Because mm, mm. obviously Fantastic Mr. Fox is based on the... Is it Roald Dahl, isn't it? Yeah. It's Roald Dahl, yeah, yeah. Um, the Roald Dahl book, but Isle of Dogs is his original, so that's quite interesting in itself. But it's extremely original. Like, when you think about the plot, it's... Like, how did anyone come up with that? And so... And no wonder it's in, he had to make it in stop motion and things like that. You know what I mean? It's a, truly no other way that that, pl- that premise could be done. Um, Unless you had some... Unless we... Do you remember, Home, remember Homeward Bound? Which one was that? Homeward Bound... Was the one with the two dogs and the cat, and they go on an adventure. It's ringing a very faint bell, and basically, like the dogs' mouths don't move, but they have voices. Like the dogs and the cat, yeah. their mouths don't move, but they there are they have actor voices. I think, uh, oh, what's the guy from Back to the Future? Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox voiced the middle one. Okay. Oh, and they go on a wacky it. adventure across San Francisco. Wacky. I can't remember why they go on that adventure, but they do. And it's all about friendship. Aww. And love. And being animals together. But, I feel, yeah, it's not really a thing that's done anymore, is it? Like, talking animal movie where, like, the animals' mouths are don't move. But there's, they have voices nonetheless. Um, a Dog's Purpose? I look like they did that. Fuck! Fuck! <laughs> a Dog's Purpose. Oh, you bloody put me right in it now, mate. <laughs> you bloody got me. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, definitely there's something to be said about the kind of originality of it. I think it's, it's going to see a Wes Anderson movie at this point. It almost feels like going to see like a franchise yeah film like it's almost an eventness to yeah it. it's almost like going like you go to see the new marvel movie and you kind of know the boxes it's going to check it almost feels like that with a wes anderson movie you know the kind of tone and stylistic choices that he makes that you're in for i think that's really cool i think it's as if, you know you could spot a wes anderson movie from a mile away i definitely or or you know or an edgar wright movie or Christopher Nolan movie, something like that. Like, these names are kind of becoming franchises in of themselves. Like, so many people I know, like, even people who aren't film people know, you know, Christopher Nolan and they know that name and mm. will go see a film based solely on the fact that his 
name is on it. And that's interesting that they... It's interesting that those names still exist and they're not like the original uh, Rat Pack that everyone's mm-hmm. obviously associated. Like, we're all obviously going to go see Spielberg films, um, uh, Martin Scorsese films. They're all part of the originals, but it's like a... like There is still, like, generations of filmmakers that um, people will still go and see their films based on them mm-hmm. directing it. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, really, truly wonderful and creative film. I am genuinely, my I, my review is not like what I wrote on Letterboxd. I am genuinely curious as to how general audiences are going to react to it. Hmm. Because Did... it's, not a ki- it's not a kid's film. You know what I mean? Just hmm. because it's, it, it's, an, it's an adult animated film. Or not, you know, not in the sense, it's not like Anomalisa yeah. is an adult film. Um, but it's adult in terms of yeah it's not it's not like a crazy wacky film for kids it's um so i am curious as to how people who don't really know a lot about it are going to react to it how do people like take um, of, like i said i feel like there's going to be a lot of confused parents yeah. how did people take mr uh, fantastic mr fox i can't remember now i think the well. general feedback to fantastic mr fox is positive but fantastic mr fox is obviously based off a roald dahl book so uh, you know what you're getting out mm. of that I'm pretty sure Isle of Dog was um, Dogs was like being advertised among kids films. I can't remember what kids film did we go see recently. Coco. Coco. It might have been advertised yeah, in front maybe. of Coco, which makes still makes you think that the, at least the marketing team of this film <clears throat> still think it should be marketed towards kids, mm-hmm. unless they're going for the accidental purchase. So go on, go on, go on. Ah, yeah. you paid for it now. Ah, <laughs> you can't get. You've come to it. You've seen Isle of Dogs now. I will be so fascinated as well because I I know a lot of people who didn't go see Fantastic Mr. Fox based solely on kind of the the animation style. Yeah, that really bums me out. Yeah. Um, but again, that had the sort of well, but it's Fantastic Mr. Fox, and people know it know it as like a Rob yeah Dow thing as well. I think maybe without with Isle of Dogs just being this completely original thing. I wonder if a lot of people will just pass on it because, oh, it's weird. Like, why, do, why does it look like that? Like, why does it look all weird? Why isn't it just proper CG? It's 2018, man. Maybe I'm just being cynical. Maybe. Maybe people are... Maybe people just sold Maybe I'm not giving people the benefit of the doubt. At the same time, people walked out of Sweeney Todd because they didn't know it was a musical. And, <laughs> you know, people walked out of The Artist because they didn't know it was a silent film. And people are fucking idiots man <laughs> just do some googling uh, just do a bit of googling before you go see a film or at least give it a try you're in it you're like hey i'm already sat down i've got my poke um pokemon popcorn got, in you, my- got your pokemon ready <laughs> i've got my pokemon i've, I've got my pokeball track down this clefairy to the, to the cinema <laughs> and, and since i'm already caught the pokemon and i'm inside i'll sit down i'll have my tango ice blast and i'll just i'll give it a go see what this island yeah. dogs is all about Tell you what's not fun. <laughs> so many setups. So many setups. I'll tell yeah. you what's not fun. You're not giving me the back and forth, Danny. You got All right. <laughs> what's not fun? Thanks, Danny. Now it's like we're on a radio show again. <laughs> um, you know, we saw the film at like I won't, I won't name the cinema, but we saw the the film at, at, at you know an an independent cinema. Hmm. Never comfortable. No. These indie cinemas. It's good to go to. Good to support. Support your local independent cinema. Never comfortable though, is it? Not for... For a tall boy? Uh, for a tall boy. Ooh, for a six foot six boy? 
it's not a comfy time. Not at all. You are rigidly sat up. There's no chance of, like... Occasionally we'll go see a, a movie, in, a, a, you know, at a, a chain cinema. And it'll be shit. You start, you know... I, I work early in the morning. You start to drift off. You can't do that at the... You can't do that at the independent cinemas. No. You are rigidly fucking upright, like, we are watching a film right now. <laughs> Your legs crushed into the seat in front of you and there was a person in the seat in front of you so you can't move too much because you don't want to disturb them but at the same time the circulation is cutting off and you're starting to lose feeling in your legs you want to express so much when you accidentally kick them you're you're moving your leg and you accidentally kick them and you're like I want to I know we're all watching a film but in this one moment I just want to express look I didn't mean to kick you in the back of the head I'm sorry I know that's that's what I wanted to get. At. There was also no one sat behind me. I noticed that when the movie ended, nobody sat directly behind me, because I am a giant, and because the <laughs> seats are so small, I like my I like lower back upwards is nothing's leaning against anything. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, so I could definitely understand why no one was sat behind me because I'm so fucking huge that you wouldn't be able to see past me. But you know, at the same time. Hurt my self-esteem a little bit, Danny. I won't lie. You're a tall boy. You're a tall man. I'm a tall boy. You gotta accept the 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 trials and tribulations that come with being a tall boy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I just thought it'd be fun. Yeah, do an exclusive. It's review. not as exciting when you you're not here. Well, when you can't talk about it with me. Aye. Um, and like I said, I've only I, I feel feel like I still have to process it hmm. a lot because I literally had to come home from the cinema last night and go straight to bed. Because it was so late, and I had work this morning, and I slept in for work. So, Isle of Dogs, was it worth it? I'd say yes. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that's that's good. That should have been my review. This movie was worth sleeping in for work. Aye. For. So how how like so far on your films of 2018? How far does Isle of Dogs rank up there? I'd give it a solid two. Two. Right behind. Three billboards. Three billboards is number one. I think three billboards would be my number one. Yeah, it's my number one. Although Coco would be up there right now as well. Um, I really did like Coco. I saw it won it won uh, best picture at the Baftas, which is very positive. I'm not. I don't. Not you know. You you know. Just have to remind everyone, Danny, that (laughs) awards don't matter, and that uh, really it's just what you like. That's what's important. And a good film, you know, doesn't need to be. receiving Oscars and BAFTAs to be considered a good film but I'm glad that it got it because it's definitely the one out of everything mm. that really really deserves it and stands above the rest I love it I'm, I, there's so many of the Oscar films I've yet to catch up with mm. I really want to go see Shape of Water um, I, Tonya's out I, Tonya's great is it? Have you seen it? I liked it? it a lot yeah I'm super I'm super excited to see I, Tonya. it's got that classic it's got the Wolf of Wall Street vibe to it. It kind of looks like yeah. it's got the Wolf of Wall Street connection with Margot yeah. Robbie and stuff. Yeah, of course. But that seems to be the, the kind of go-to for a few uh, biopics since Wolf of Wall Street came mm. out. Is to go for that kind of vibe. And especially the whole sort of talking heads approach and people talking directly at the camera and breaking the fourth wall and stuff like that. It's kind of the, the in thing. In. Right now. Yeah. Trendy. Yeah. But it's it's uh it's really good. One of those things where I had no idea about the true story about Tonya Harding, and then you come out and you start reading about it, and you're like, how did this yeah. just pass me by? Because it's some, such a huge deal in sporting history, and I've just never heard of it until. There's I saw a the lot movie. of true stories that you end up looking up, and you're like, 
Yeah. F- I did no idea that there's this little chapter of history mm. that was not, like I had no idea still existed. It's, it's interesting. Really, it's cool. Uh, so far, only Oscar films I've seen that I haven't enjoyed. The Post. Okay. Boy, that's boring. And even just shot. So, like, boring is a bad... I, I fucking hate just writing a movie off saying it's boring. Because there's usually a lot of factors that attribute into it being boring. The way The Post is filmed, coming from a experienced writer like Steven Spielberg, is atrocious. Like, uh, the introduction of... Have you seen it yet? No, I'm The introduction it. of Tom Hanks' character. She... Uh, in the scene before, Meryl Streep gets a phone call. And she says, like, oh, it's such and such. And my brain goes, oh, I wonder who that is. And then in the next scene, she walks into a restaurant. And it's a big, wide shot of this restaurant. And she walks towards the table. And it's still in this big, wide shot. She sits down at this table. And you haven't seen who she's sitting with yet. And I'm like, oh, well, this must be the person she was talking to on the phone. And then the camera very slowly starts moving around the room, still in this wide shot. And they have a conversation for about a minute. And then finally, the camera moves to a point where it's revealed, oh, that this is Tom Hanks. That must be who she was talking to or about on the phone. Then she says another name. She calls him by his name. And I go, wait, what? That wasn't the name of the person on the phone or the person she was talking about. Who's this? (laughs) Who's Tom Hanks playing? And then they have a conversation and it stays in this horrible, horrible wide shot for about another two minutes and then finally goes into atrocious looking uh, over the shoulder shot reverse shot and I was like again coming from an experienced filmmaker like Steven Spielberg Hmm. you should know better apparently the film was rushed yeah to get made because it tied in quite heavily to the things that are going on with the White House just now it does seem like that with silencing the press but it feels rushed when you watch it. It feels like a film that's been thrown together in about three months. Mm, okay. And it not, it's not... Well, it, it always felt rushed because, like, um, when it was announced, Ready Play, um, you were like, Ready Player One, and then Spielberg got another film out. Mm. And you're like, oh, Ready Player One, The Post. What, what, what do you mean, The Post? I thought he was doing... Like, mm. it's mental that he was just like... Yeah. He, it almost feels like, oh, hang on, guys, let's stop doing Ready Player One for two seconds, whip out The Post, whoosh, there you go. Right, let's carry on. It definitely, it's it, his films of recent have all been. He's kind of gone down the route of these political dramas, mm. and they always come out. They always come out fine. I don't think. I think he's lost a lot of his excitement in terms of his filmmaking. And I really hope Ready Player One recaptures that. It'd be cool to see what he does with it because, like, it's quite. I've all the criticism of Ready Player One. I just thought it was a very fun book, mm-hmm. and um, I'm. Super excited to see what's if Spielberg can make a fun film out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. See what happens. Uh also the Darkest Hour. Um don't 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 see it. Just type in Churchill speech into YouTube and watch that instead because you'll get the same experience. I do feel like some of these biopics you do get that where you're like, hey, the performance looks amazing, but hey, don't I've seen the whole thing. Did film. you know there's been two movies about Churchill? Yes. Recently. There was Churchill and then this Darkest Hour. Yeah. I literally think they're both more or less the same in terms of the quality uh, i would say whichever one i saw first was gonna end up being the one i liked the most because <laughs> they're both the same it's the same movie okay. i definitely think uh the church hill has a much simpler approach to it like darkest hour has some of this utter trollop where he like catches the underground and he talks to the regular people like me and you danny me and the you regular people Churchill spoke to me and you and i was yeah aware. and i'm like this is so 
patronizing. <laughs> Fuck this movie. Uh, I really don't like The Darkest Hour. But he caught The Darkest Hour because the bloody lighting's so bad they need to oh, turn a light know, on, mate. What are, they, what are they doing? Hang on, mate. Why don't you calm down, mate? Gary Oldman's doing his best, you know? <laughs> He's doing his best. He's trying... He got cigar poison. He's doing his best. Ugh. Anyway. Uh, we've we've rambled a lot at the top. A little yeah. preamble. That was only meant to be a little five-minute thing about Isle of Dogs. Exclusive. But here we are, Danny. A good bit in. Huh? Do you want to uh, go ahead and introduce the show? What's up, people? The people to welcome to Second and Mid... Mm. Well done. Reverse. 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 <laughs> Cha-cha, real smooth. Um, <clears throat> you're probably going to include this all in but all right <laughs> to the left probably include this all in but I'll, I'll, I'll do a fresh I'll do a fresh <laughs> take anyway just, just in case you want to save me the embarrassment probably definitely going to leave this in <laughs> especially after that hilarious cha-cha slide bit <laughs> we, we really slid into a cha-cha slide oh, reference get on with it <laughs> uh, what's up, people of Peopleton? Welcome to Second Opinion Movie Podcast. My name's Danny Jones, and with me, the lovely Scott Morrison. Hi, yeah. Hi. We did. We what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Continue. It's all right. Sometimes hi is really funny. Uh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, we watched House today. We did watch House. <laughs> Fucking, or I wouldn't say we watched House. I'd say we experienced House. <laughs> um, House is a nineteen seventy seven, I believe. Yeah. Uh, what? Where's it from? Uh, it is Japanese. Is it Japanese? I'm gonna one hundred percent confirm that, so I'm not being. Well, we racist. should probably not be arrogant. Uh, a nineteen seventy seven horror, um, th- horror. <laughs> it's, it's a Japanese it's a 1977 Japanese comedy horror film oh, it describes itself as a comedy horror film it does which is interesting that is interesting um, I'll do a quick summary as best as I can <laughs> um, how many girls is it? six six girls um, decide to go and visit one of their aunts who the niece has not seen for the and since she was a little baby uh-huh. go see one of their aunts in the house they go there and it's a classic haunted house scenario as all is not what it seems and i think that's basically the plot it's funny how you could sell that you could pitch that as someone oh yeah it's about six girls who go to visit their aunt in this old mansion turns out the mansion's haunted and they experience a lot of haunted shit haunted shit how bland that movie sounds <laughs> and then you watch it and it's like ah it's like nothing you've ever seen no, no it's, 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 it's a mental um catastrophe of bizarre mismatched transitions and special effects and i brilliant i loved it i loved watching it so fun, much wasn't it? It was yeah so i'm glad fun. you enjoyed it because i was sitting and i think towards the end we were both getting a little f- not, fr- I would always say frustrated in, in the confusion a little bit Aye. towards the end where we're like, wait, who is that girl again? And who's left and who's that? And I was like, oh no, maybe Danny hasn't enjoyed this as well. And maybe like, this could be a real downer, but what a watch that was. Like, yeah. Really just, it reminded me a lot of, I feel like it falls into that same kind of category of something like the Holy Mountain. Hmm. Well, I haven't seen the Holy Mountain. Oh boy, I've seen the Holy Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you best believe I've seen the Holy Mountain. I still want to get William on for an episode on the you Holy Mountain. You should try and do a Holy Mountain episode. Yeah, because that is. You think that's crazy? Holy Mountain's on like a whole nother level of 
madness. Um, yeah, it reminded me a lot of that in that it's just it's it's barely even a film. It's more like yeah. just these ideas and concepts just thrown at the wall, and they just go as crazy as possible to kind of almost disorient you when you're watching it. Um, because even from the beginning, nothing nothing feels right or natural everything no. feels uneasy everything even feels... just the fact that music is constantly playing hmm. throughout dialogue scenes sometimes, sometimes more, l- more than one track of music more one more than one track of music sometimes louder than the audio itself hmm. like the the dialogue so it becomes even harder to tell who's talking and what's going on obviously it's a it's a japanese film so it's in subtitles so hmm. our japanese is a bit dusty but I found that with, especially when you have six teenage girls acting alongside each other, all of them shouting very loudly. Even when you've got the subtitles, I was like, I don't know who that subtitle is being attributed to. <laughs> because I yeah. can't see who's talking. And right. it's just baffling. Shall I have a go at remembering them all? Right. Yes, so there's the, six girls. There's six all girls, of them have nicknames, uh, and they're all um, very much they're the based on their their main. Trait. They're co- named after their sort of main trait. So I'm gonna see if I can get them all. Okay. Um, I'm gonna just look them up real quick, and then I'm gonna find out which ones you get. I'll twiddle my thumbs for just a second. No, 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 just go for it. Just start naming them. Right. Uh, gorgeous. Yep. Fantasy. Yep. Uh, Kung Fu. Yep. Professor. Yep. Melody. Yep. Sweet. Yep. You're missing one. I thought that was six. I thought you said six. What did you say? You said gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yep. Um, fantasy. Yep. Uh, Kung Fu. Yep. Professor. Yep. Melody. Yep. Sweet. Sweet. That's six, isn't it? Okay, so maybe there's gorgeous, Kung Fu, Professor, Fantasy, Melody, Sweet. I guess there's seven because you missed Mac. <gasps> Mac, of course. Of course. It's because I was counting. But that's six. weird because it said up at the top. Oh, the film is about a schoolgirl traveling with her six classmates. Oh, how I embarrassing. bloody goofed it, mate. How I embarrassing. What am I like? Oh. Let's stop the podcast. Oh. I don't think we can come back from this. <laughs> that was us stopping the podcast. By the way, <laughs> no, so, yeah. <laughs> Every week, it's like, oh yeah, this week we're doing District Nine. It's just an hour of silence. But occasionally you hear like... <clears throat> you hear like... <laughs> no, that's too much noise. That's too much, there's too much communication. Um, okay, so they all have personality traits. There's some... Like, they should be really obvious. Uh, gorgeous is um, supposed to be super pretty. Uh, fantasy always fantasizing about her... Teacher, yeah, come into that was a that was a stretch. Uh, there's Melody, who is good at playing melodies. There's Mac, who's fat. <laughs> <laughs> that no, that's her characteristic, and she'll yeah. remind you. Oh, it, they fucking rip into her so you, much. If you thought Chunk from the Goonies was supposed to be the fat one yeah. of the group, Mac doesn't do anything else but she's talk about fat, eating. She's not even fat, though. It's a bit where she goes walks she's away. She's no bigger than the rest of them. <laughs> In fact, at one point, I think Melody was on screen and I was like, is that Mac? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, hang on. Um, oh, there was, sorry, there's Melody plays. It's a fantasy of gorgeous uh, Mac. Um, uh, Kung Fu, who, guess what? <laughs> 
Does Kung Fu. Does Kung Fu. She certainly does. <laughs> and boy, does the film remind you of that at every oh, possible yeah, yeah. avenue. Um, and Professor, who wears glasses, yeah. so you know. And she has the classic scene towards the end where she loses her glasses <laughs> and says, I can't see without my glasses. Like, Good, this movie. Um, when did Scooby-Doo come out? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, I think Scooby-Doo was the 60s. Wasn't it? So it may very well be, it may, it may be a reference. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, Sweet, who um, is she just nice? I don't think Sweet gets enough time. <laughs> I don't think any of them got all that. But at least I can describe it. Sweet, I'm not sure why she's called Sweet. It's funny, the ones I feel that we ended up because we, we're kind of in agreement that Professor and Kung, and Kung Fu, Fu are, are, the, are best the best ones. ones. That's because they're the ones who live the longest, I think. So you kind of end up becoming, and they're also, especially Professor, is the most. Unique looking. Ah, professors. Uh, she wears um, pigtails. Uh, pigtails. But she also has all yeah. the rest of them are just kind of wearing regular Columbia. She has like a white jumpsuit on mm. with bright, like bright red socks or something like that. And it was really strange. Like it was very, very different outfit to everybody mm. else in the group. So I feel like she stands out the most. And so you can obviously just, with her glasses. What stuff. I was saying, where everybody's kind of talking and it's hard to div- like figure out who's saying what and mm. i feel like with whenever the camera was on professor at the very least it was like okay we know her she's like our anchor we know 100 percent which one she is and you know which one kung fu is is because she's inevitably punching something at the time oh, you see her she had the best <laughs> bit of music didn't she yes it she played. always had to, i can't kung for the fu. life of me remember but she always had every time she kung fu'd this uh, incredible track kicked in um, Are you going to try and find I'm it? I'm going to try and find it. You say things now while I... <laughs> uh, Professor and Kung Fu, I think the ones you get more attached to. I think also it helps that they're the proactive ones. Some of the others get killed off pretty quickly and stuff like that. And you're going to expect that from a, a cast of seven um, like schoolgirls going to a, a, um, a haunted mansion that there'll be ones that get killed off pretty much straight away. Yeah. But like Kung Fu and professor seemed like the most proactive so i think you really get engaged with them to the point where they were working stuff out they were walking around the room working stuff out and i was like that was a great scene i want to see a spin-off uh. film with kung fu like kung fu and professor grow up and they go out and they go and fight haunted houses yeah i'd love to see that i'm I, i'm writing that right now i don't I, know if you can hear my hand writing it i think i found the, the theme that's it I think we've missed the proper riff bit, but I think we've missed the kind of that was it. There. Every time she has to come through something. That was it. Every time she has to come through something. Oh, just madness! What a fucking theme song, though. Um, what a soundtrack. The um, soundtrack, uh, like, it's just mental for this for film. For the but... first f- 15 minutes, I thought it was sickening <laughs> how much music was playing at any given time. <laughs> but it all grows, because it all... As you get further into the film, the more you do kind of realise that every piece of music is significant to a sort of character and hmm. things like that. And it becomes very a lot easier to pull it all apart. And <laughs> it's not all just maddeningly playing at the same time and yeah the tone of this film 
Well, it's bizarre. It's, it's weird because you just said it describes itself as a comedy horror. Now that it says that, it makes more sense. But, I mean, it's not... I wouldn't have... It's not particularly funny. No, ex- it's just let, a sort of, Except the absurdity humour. Mm, that's what I was going to say. It, but it's almost like... You can't, the film is just set in this weird, absurdist environment where nothing really makes sense. Where the film is almost drawing attention to the fact that, you know, the background of this scene is a matte painting. Hmm. And it almost draws attention to that. Yeah. Rather than actually acting like it's a piece of setting. You know what I mean? Everything's quite hyper-real. Like, mm. the, when when um, Gorgeous sees her father out on the balcony, it's that weird sunset. That's yeah. like, it's very looks like it's painted on. And then even when Gorgeous goes through to her room, she's got this, like, overly wallpapered room uh-huh. of, uh, like, purple flowers over, <laughs> including the door that she walks in, has been wallpapered over. So everything just looks... Even, even before you get to the haunted house, which is what you'd think the um, contrast would be, mm. is that when um, you get to the haunted house, so that's when it gets all weird and maybe get some German impressionists and whatever, mm. whatever. But, like, um, no, it's from the start. It's just all hyper-real. Yeah. No, he, the, the, her father brings out his new wife. <laughs> and it literally goes into slow motion. As it's a slowly... soap commercial. It's a, it's, it is, It's yeah. a shampoo commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is so... It's just so bizarre. And again, in that sort of opening 50 minutes, you're just trying to wrap your head around what you're experiencing. Because even things like... Uh, like, the editing in this film. Oh, the editing is so bizarre. It seems like from scene to scene, they just thought, okay, how can we string this scene together where it's totally different to anything else that happens? So they'll do things like have have tra- like even though it's just shot reverse shot of people talking they'll have transitions from shot to shot you know they'll have fade in and fade out even though it's just two characters talking and then in one scene the frame rate is different for some the frame reason. rate is a very bizarre that one. was a jarring scene where then when suddenly the frame rate slows down incredibly yeah. and it like it's quite there's like a specific scene where it's very prolonged and you're like mm. really not sure why this is mm. doing it and then, you know, oh, in this scene, when the girls scream, uh, we're going to have crazy lightning outlines around them when they scream. It's like every, every single scene, it seems like they sat down and thought, okay, what? How, how do we make this scene unique to all other scenes in the film? Really does keep you on your toes. Yeah. Because <laughs> each scene you go into and you're like, what are we going to get this time? Like, it's exciting. Aye. And especially the parts where it gets the most creative are when the horror moments happen. Hmm. And there's a couple, there's a few, obviously. There's the head, the the decapitated head. The first one's the head. That where they jumps out of the well and yeah, attacks. They've been keeping a watermelon in this um, well and they bring it up and it turns out to be Mac's head who's yeah. just gotten recently missing. Uh, and then it's bizarrely heavily, because impl- it turns back into watermelon and then they all start eating the watermelon, and it's heavily implied that they're all they're just eating, eating Mac, Mac. Yeah, but they all think it's a watermelon. Mm. Very strange. It's very. But even there's a scene there where, when so the head comes out of the water and bites. It's not gorgeous. Who is it? It's fantasy. It's fantasy. Bites fantasy on the ass, and as she does it, you can literally just see the blue screen outline behind them. 
But I don't think that's a mistake. I think the film has left that in intentionally, or not even left it in, has made it look like that intentionally to just create this hyper-real... Like I said, it almost feels like the film wants you to think it's... know you're in a film at times. Yeah. Which is why it seems to address... Like, even... The, what was the stop-motion scene at the start? With the guy with the bucket? There was a... Yeah, it's the teacher. The teacher who has an arc yeah. throughout the whole list of him. He's trying to get to fantasy, which... Uh, uncomfortable things about teachers chasing after schoolgirls mm. aside... It's supposed to be this weirdly endearing um, slapstick one where he, he falls down something and he gets his um, ass stuck in a bucket yeah. and then he falls down these stairs and it's done stop motion. Uh, like He gets hit by a car Well, or the something. car comes out and he goes round the car. He goes round the like car but like, in stop motion. Yeah. So, but again, forgot about that because so much happens after that. But the stop motion... Of that caliber never comes into the film again. No. It's just for that one sequence. Um, Which is it's just fascinating. But um, that's what I mean. It's like it almost feels like they're trying to draw your attention. Well, I'd say the best way to draw your attention that it's not trying to be real at all is the use of animation. Uh-huh. This this blends animation into the film. Like, um, almost in a way that... That's right, when they're on... The, yes, okay, yeah. Um, almost in a way where it makes the film timeless actually mm. like it's not dated by old-fashioned gory special effects it's fully aware like um stuff some of the stuff happens i'm trying to think of stuff specifically off the top of my head and there's this bit where melody's being eaten by a piano and a lot of the violence is animated yeah um and like uh, like not just like um like vaguely sort of um, drawn or anything like it's fully full-on cartoony animation mm-hmm. like it's come out of looney tunes or something um, that sort of blend between live action and cartoon it makes it kind of timeless but also is again like in that sort of thing you're saying where it's um, making you aware that this is still a film and that mm. this is not trying to be realistic even things like yeah you can see there's a scene quite close to the beginning where the sky is clearly just a backdrop and then everyone's sitting still and the sky just starts manically shaking all over the place but no one draws attention to it it's just happening it happens so quickly but you just you, you have no time to process anything that's happening but it's just like oh there's the weird moment for that shot it's that that's happening in the background <laughs> just truly what it was it was almost like it was almost like going on a haunted house ride yeah but a very extreme one hmm. like not the kind of thing you get at Cadona's. shout out to Cadona's. Yeah, well done, Cadenas. Um, like, yeah, very kind of extreme, like, House of Illusions, haunted house kind of thing. Well, they kind of almost mockingly play with that perspective. When they first get off the bus in the town for their auntie, they're, they come out and they stood what's clearly in front of a, a backdrop, mm. a painted backdrop. And But when the, they get a long shot of the bus going away, they're actually in front of a billboard. They're not deliberately in front of a backdrop. Yeah. They're on, they're on um, front of a billboard on location. Yeah. Just to mess with the, like almost deliberately to mess with the audience perspective mm-hmm. of, haha, is this supposed to be a backdrop? Is this not supposed to be a backdrop? Yeah. <laughs> Who the hell knows? You're the victim in this haunted house, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it. I would love to see this film in a cinema. Yeah. With full, you know, like fully no distractions, like lights down, just focus on this film. And I, I think fucking, you know, 
maybe have a wee smoke before you go see it. <laughs> I think this film could take you to some places. Like, I think it's that crazy. That psychological one. Truly is. And then the 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 the, the cat <laughs> comes into it. It turns out that the, the the sort of demon behind all this in the house is this painting of a cat. Yeah, it's the drawing the aunt's power. I yeah. don't. This is where the um towards the end it of all the gets reveal, quite complicated. The story yeah. sort of starts to come a bit strange because gorgeous goes. Um, where does she go? She goes. She separates from him for some reason, and she ends up in front of this fractured mirror. And then what I assumed the aunt takes over gorgeous's body Ugh. to regain her youth, and then gorgeous sort of becomes the bad guy. But also she's being powered by the picture of the cat, which is linked to the actual cat that's yeah. going around. That picture of the cat is one of the only genuinely quite scary looking things in the film. That cat picture, when it goes, when it properly like grits its teeth, freaked me out. Oh, that was so weird looking. Um, which is actually the image that drew me to this film in the first place. That was yeah. the first thing I saw was the image of the of the cat, and I was like, "Whoa, it's creepy." is this about <laughs> yeah it's um it's got some bizarre imagery mm. there's sweet who's one of the more sort of the lesser characters gets attacked by a bunch of mattresses yeah yeah that's just a thing <laughs> and then there's even a moment in that where as she's been attacked the, the shot just keeps rewinding and playing itself again and it happens a couple of times and i'm like <laughs> what's happening i don't I don't, but then at the same time, I felt you never, you're like, oh, what's happening? But you, you're never, it was never like a, you know, like when you watch Batman v Superman, you're like, what's happening? <laughs> it's not that kind of, it's no. like an excited, like, what's it's happening It's kind of reveling, yeah. like, the experimentation, mm. which is really interesting. And you can imagine that this is the film that, like, all these experimental filmmakers for, like, that are more contemporary and still doing films, you can imagine they've all seen this film and they yeah. take something from this film. We talked about it because there's a piece of the soundtrack that you thought sounded very similar to a song from, well, a piece of music from the film Super. Yeah, my two perfect moments. Yeah, and we... We kind of we talked about how it would it really would not surprise me. It would honestly surprise us more if James Gunn hadn't watched House. Yeah, and wasn't a fan of it. That would be well. James Gunn's all into that sort of bizarre, yeah, gore horror sort of stuff. Pretty clear from Slither and even yeah, some Slither's what of I was Guardians thinking. of the Galaxy. To be honest, uh, yeah. Slither's what I would say like is very obvious. That he would he mm. would probably seen House. Shall we finish the arc of the teacher? Because he has a very bizarre end. Of course, yes. The uh, teacher who spends... You keep cutting back to him. And every time you cut back to him, I keep forgetting who he is. Mm. I'm like, oh, right, this is the teacher that's chasing after the schoolgirl. And Fantasy's like, oh, my my Mr. Whoever, whoever's coming to get me. Yeah. He'll come and save me. He'll come save me. And he's on his way. He's not actually come to save him. He's just come... I think he's just gone to go in to meet them. He just doesn't realize they're all in trouble. That anything's happening, um, yeah. And he goes to the, the fruit store that stand which um, sells watermelons in front of the aunt's house. And so he goes there and he isn't a fan of watermelons or something. Mm. And the guy asks him, what are you a fan of? And he goes, bananas. And then starts the teacher starts freaking out because he keeps saying there's bananas everywhere. Which is, by the way, we just got to the point where, <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah, of course there's there bananas <laughs> everywhere. I know. How, how, how is this a surprise to you, Mr. <laughs> teacher? Uh, and then he's like, he's trying to drive away, but there's, he says there's bananas everywhere. You don't see anything. And then when, 
I want to say the stepmom, Gorgeous's stepmom, comes mm. in. Uh, she walks around, and this there is bananas everywhere. And in the car, there's a heap of bananas. And on the top of this heap of bananas is a hat. So you're just to assume that he transformed <laughs> into a heap of bananas. Fascinating. <laughs> you know that because there's a hat. There's a <laughs> that's 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 a good uh, example of show don't tell. <laughs> None of the characters say, "Oh no, the teacher's transformed into a pile of bananas." But uh, <laughs> that's almost you need the clarification anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's something you should probably clarify. I would love to see the script for this movie. <laughs> I'd be fascinated to see it. Hmm. Because I would like to know, I want to know how straightforward it the film looks on paper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because even we finished the film, and I was like, I'm gonna go on Wikipedia and just double check the last, like, ten minutes because it does get quite. You're like, who is what and what's happening anymore? And I read through it and I'm like, oh yeah, this all makes sense. But when you watch it in the film, it's just so baffling. Well, like, even when I was explaining the premise for this film, it's such a simple yeah. idea. And then you just, you can't emphasize just how many of the the mental stuff is in between it. Oh, we left the, oh, sorry, everyone. Oh, I slept in for work today. I did mention that. Um, <laughs> I would love to just know how much of the really experimental side of the film was planned ahead of time or how much was just done on the day or in editing or anything like that mm. I just need to know I have so many questions because this <laughs> must have been edited old school yeah since the 70s so this must have been it's a lot of faffing around a lot of faffing now. about especially when it goes into these you know animated sequences and things like that because mm. I forgot about that that the scene when they're on the train and out the window is all animated yeah so they're just going past these yeah these uh, drawings of mountains and things like that. That's what the train's going by, and you just accept it. It's like, okay, I guess you outside do. is a cartoon now. I, why not? <laughs> uh, Monty Python rules, everyone. Um, how did you feel about the line that the auntie says when she says, um, I've been alone for so long, but now I'm in a house full of young girls? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> well, she, she, oh, no. Wants, <laughs> she wants to, like... <clears throat> to kill all the well possess, possess the young girls because her her thing like the backstory of the aunt is that she turns out she's dead mm-hmm. she's uh she was always dead the whole time they were there she died waiting for her husband to come, come back. back from world war Two. yeah would, would they hang on Did, were they even were they partners was it that he was waiting for she was waiting for him to come back to oh, marry maybe so that they could marry, marry yeah. because her target is unmarried um girls yeah which is unfortunate because our whole busload just yeah came just along. just came a roll with their own came a truck personalities yeah um so that's her backstory is that she wants to to kill unmarried girls yeah. for some reason because that's the plot of the movie there's a lot of this is where this is where it does date and becomes uncomfortable and maybe <laughs> also cultural because there is a lot of sexualization of these girls yeah which is a bit is the stuff it's it got that up. classic i think we talked about this possibly when we did paprika it's got that classic foreign film thing of <clears throat> people are just naked at random points of the movie for no reason but it always seems to be a thing with sort of <laughs> european and foreign film is Aye. people are just naked all the time lots more naked you don't get any of that in batman v superman mate <laughs> 
I mean, there's Amy Adams. <laughs> there, that's quite reserved. <laughs> yeah. Um, I suppose uh, sometimes those waters do get choppy. <laughs> oh, no. Drop my book. Classic. Sorry, everyone. Um, there's, <laughs> a, there's, a, there's a bizarre sexual... It, oh, I always thought this... Because um, they wear these sort of like school uniforms, like very Sailor Moon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it occurred to me to watching this film, maybe they are real school uniforms in... Because um, I've always... In Japan, yeah. Yeah, because they always seem like... Almost because the only way we've ever seen them is through these uh, hyper-fantalized, sl- mm. and pervertly sexualized versions mm. of them. Kind of weird to look at them and like these girls wearing them. And, oh, are they actually supposed to be real uniforms yeah, that actually norm, said yeah. like, that that's why it's almost why it's so creepy and it kind of hits you. Uh, so it's, it's quite uncomfortable stuff. Yeah. Some, I mean, 70s different, it's still uncomfortable stuff though. <laughs> Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, Daddy. And everyone who's listening. I forget that we have to address people, even though we're just two guys sitting, talking. There's like people listening right now. It's weird. Like once this is done, and we stop recording, we're just going to go back to talking to each other normally. (laughs) But right now it's like we're in like entertainment mode. It's always weird to wrap your head around. There's a we addressing the, the third person in the room. Are we getting? I think I, I, don't, I don't know why I'm bringing this up. Are we getting deep? Are we getting deep into like the <laughs> the the existential crisis that is podcasting? Yeah, of like you know I'm never really myself when I when when I hit record, man. You know when it, when I hit record, that's not the real me. This is the real me. But then this is a fake me as well. They're all fake. Shoes. Who am I, Danny? You're the one Karen behind all of your illusions. Oh, it's been too much silence in this episode. <laughs> I like to prolong the silence. <laughs> What's there left to talk about? Oh, I feel man. like as soon as we turn this off, we're gonna think of more things. Because ourselves. well, the whole film is just every every scene you could go into in detail. But we would have to do a sort of scene by scene. What if? <laughs> what if? I think I just came up with our new podcast, Daddy. What if our podcast is just about house? I think every episode is another minute of the film. Right. I think and we go into detail about what's going on in that minute. Right. Okay. Scott Morrison, can I explain this podcast to you? Okay. Tell me. Right. Two <laughs> young white men <laughs> analyzing every minute. Yeah. Of a Japanese schoolgirl sexualized haunted house. No, nah, you're bigging that part up way too much. Way too much. It's not like. No, nah, you're bigging up the overly sexualized bit way too much. That's. I feel like every minute though. I think you, maybe you've got some problems. Maybe you're a bit caught too conscious about this movie from the 70s. It was a different time. It was a different time. So it? much more relaxed back then. Hmm. Um, that's the new podcast I want to start. Overanalyzing every minute of film. So that by listening to our podcast, you will truly have an understanding of house. <laughs> by the time we're done with it. We could get to some deep places. Here's my question. When we sat down to watch it, we thought it was an hour 50. It turned out to only be an hour 25. Would you say that's the perfect amount of time for a yeah, film that's crazy? Yeah. Definitely. Especially when it ended... But then there's a little extra scene at the end. I was like, oh, I hope this doesn't go on for too long because I think my brain is burnt out yeah, from this it's, movie. The, the, all the sort of girls get killed off and then 
the stepmom arrives. Yeah. And she's still wandering, like wandering around as if it was a, a head and shoulders advert. Like mm. it's, it's so, it's almost kind of exhausting the way they film her. Because it's just have to walk around in the most majestic way possible. It's so strange. And then she asks, sees her majestically dressed now stepdaughter. And they have a majestic off. You know what we should do? We should take the scenes with the stepmom and just edit it to look like a head and shoulders advert. I think we could I think we could pull it off quite easily. It's what it's a weird thing where like her introduction is um almost I got the wrong idea from it cuz um gorgeous and her father are like she he the father's saying I'm going to invite on our summer vacation this woman mm-hmm. who I've decided is going to be your mum and then she wanders in and she's like she's literally wearing like white sort of like satin almost angelic as she walks in slowly and kind of majestically mm-hmm. and you almost get this like that she's supposed to be this like goddess angel like figure that you you that it seems to be building up and then it's almost cut you off like quite weirdly when yeah. um, gorgeous is like no she's not my mom and then goes to her room like it's so it like it, it, like a just position of like that introduction and then like the reaction like i thought like since we entered the scene from like gorgeous's perspective that we were gonna that we were kind of seeing it all from gorgeous's uh-huh. perspective it, like the play on the film language like oh this sort of angelic majestic thing that gorgeous sees is like this is how she sees her stepmom mm-hmm. and like oh maybe you're right this is seem like a wonderful woman and then um it's inverted you're not my real mom <laughs> yeah definitely um i'm just really buzzed for this spin-off with professor and kung fu kung fu i'm, I'm excited for that professor kung fu there's your movie right there because I agree with you, that was my favourite scene of the film as well, was them walking around mm. in circles in the room, both doing the finger thing. Drop the book again. The, the the finger thing of like, you know, when you're trying to think something out and you, you wag the finger yeah. and they're both doing that. They're both kind of mimicking each other. Like, these two are just meant for meant to be like a crime fighting duo. Yeah. I love it. Professor's the brains, Kung Fu's the bronze. One knows Kung Fu. Yeah. They... One has book smarts. <laughs> Together, they will solve ghost crimes. Um, I do worry that we're going to stop recording and we're going to think of so much more to say. I know. I'm trying to think. What? I mean... Oh, Danny, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, this is our podcast, Danny. If next episode we want to start by talking more about house, that is our fucking god-given right as American citizens. You'll know if we start the next podcast as with the sentence... And another thing. And another thing. And another thing. That we have more to say about House. Um, but for right now, I would say anyone, if this has piqued your curiosity and even a little bit, go check it out. Go check it Don't out. Don't watch it alone. I could f- kind of feel like you'd get, if you w- tried watching it alone, you'd almost get too like, nah, this is like too much right now. Get some people together and watch this movie. Just fucking let yourself... Just, like, experience it. Don't overthink it, because it is just madness, almost for the sake of madness at times. Just let it happen, and I think you'll have a good time. House.
I think it's I think it's worth it if you especially for if you're looking for that sort of a stranger cult and I think like as again it really stands the test of time thanks to its weird special yeah. effects yeah like especially it's animated um like splicing into it like when the girl's getting eaten by the lamp and it goes into this weird comic sans looking sequence where they're all against this black and white sort of striped back backdrop and she's just a still image that's like swirling around the room and kung fu and uh uh professor just like these tiny little things in the background like oh no (laughs) like what is happening (laughs) but yeah things like that it really does it's that you hard pressed to find something like else like that i think especially now but then again there's a lot of movies out there we've seen so many tell you what film it doesn't happen in nanny that might be superman yeah Right, so I'll, I'll I'll sign off house with one last question, Go the ultimate it. question. Hit me with it. Right, which one are you? Oh, which personality are you? Probably Mac. Yeah, I feel like a Mac as well. <laughs> Shit, and the one to die first. <laughs> <laughs> what would your What would you be called if we had to dwindle your personality down to one trait? To one word. What would it be? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have that sort of self awareness. Yeah. Well, it probably would just be something like what they call each other, isn't it? Hmm. It's funny that they kind of gave them all the horror, the class, the sort of American horror film tropes. You know, like there's the whole thing in American horror films with the slasher films, especially where you have all the specific characters like you got the, the the brute and the nerd and the the virgin and the and things like that it's funny how they've kind of tried to go with a similar yeah a similar kind of vein of that where i guess professor would be the brains and i Glamour, no that, that's something uh, else what was her name glamorous uh, uh gorgeous gorgeous that was it it's something actually uh that's kind of weird that they go for the archetypes but also there is a strange line for what is a 70s film when they say um, this is like a horror film, uh-huh. which is a strange metanous self-awareness, which is quite before its time for 70s. I don't know if, maybe I'm wrong, but were people in 70s often saying, referring to themselves as perhaps in a horror film? That's such a common trope now. Yeah, I get what you're on about, yeah. Because that's a common trope now, because we we now live in a world where we're saturated with horror films. Mm-hmm. So we would, like, it almost becomes unrealistic for a person not to realise the trope of a horror film mm-hmm. when they're in a horror film situation. But, like, do you think, that it's fascinating, is there many more... Um, examples before the 70s where um, someone was aware that the situation they were in was like a horror film yeah. I'd say probably but like I said there's a lot of movies out there and we haven't seen all of them Danny have we not oh. sometimes I forget that um, I, the, there was people across the road and they kind of looked over at one point they, they've gone now they've shut the lights off but they kind of looked over and I was going to just be like Hello, just recording a podcast. Because <laughs> it's fine, because it's... Because obviously it's the the West End, big tenement building. Like, all the windows are massive. So the second somebody flicks a light on, if your blinds are open, like... You're a fish tank. You literally are just a fish tank. Yeah, so it's like, 
we're looking over there and they're looking over here and we're they're just like fuck are these two guys doing? <laughs> who do they think they are yeah. west end cunts yeah well it's, i say west end it's mary hill road which i don't know if that counts counts ish i guess counts ish close enough it's a little sidetrack but uh anyway but i i do i do get where you're coming from uh, I just don't know. I I imagine it ha- it was it did happen at some point. It has happened at some point before this film. It also might not have. You'd be cool. It's to an try interesting and... thing to think about. Though. Yeah, it'd be cool to try and find sort of um, films that would have had that self awareness. Yeah. Try and find sort of like a film that might have even indulged in that self awareness. One of the first films that fully broke the fourth wall. But um, uh, yeah, I think that's at the moment all I have to say about House. Yeah. I'm too. really sorry if I've come across as really low energy, but like I said, slept in for work today. Kind of threw my whole day out of whack, I'm not going to lie. So I love dogs. It was worth it. I'll tweet that to Wes Anderson. <laughs> slept in, was worth it. <laughs> dogs. Um, so I do feel quite bad if this, I feel like a movie like this, we should be, I should be very excited. And I am excited, but it's like low energy excited. Watch House. Watch House. Also watch the show House, the television show with Hugh Laurie. Oh, I tried. I feel it's too procedural. Yeah. I, I find House is too procedural for me. Either. I watched the pilot and was like, meh. Scrubs. <laughs> Scrubs was good. Scrubs was good. Yeah, Scrubs well. didn't feel quite as procedural as House. Yeah. Um, but before I yawn again, oh, it's happening. No, it's too late. Abandoned ship. <laughs> um, I think we could just call it, wrap it up there, Danny. Cool. Have you got things to say? Uh, I will say that if you want to get in contact with us, um, get us Facebook, Twitter, Second Opinion with a two. Uh, go over to iTunes and give us a, a wee review. I've got your Japanese girl name, Sleepy. Wee! <laughs> it's also a dwarf see name, I was hoping that what I could do if I if I was sleeping is maybe maybe right now I've, I've queued in some like nighttime music like some nice like and if you could just really softly like tell people where they could find us and stuff that would be good and like a just imagine it Nanny once upon a time in a far-off kingdom known as Second Opinion Land. It turns out that the king and the other king would be able to be contacted through the court messenger of that Second Opinion. That second with a two. You can also... <laughs> I like how... <laughs> I like how... <laughs> I saw the look you guys there. I'm like, oh, he's wrapping up that song. <laughs> I need to end. <laughs> I know. I started a new sentence. You wrapped up the song. <laughs> well, not as coordinated as we hope. Yes, that's it. I've, that's that's everything. Amazing. Cool. Uh, we'll see you all in two weeks' time for some fucking movie that will probably be batshit crazy or something. I don't know. Um, oh, leave a review on iTunes. That's like the big thing just now. Yes. I did say that. Shit, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, because we've realised that we haven't got enough reviews for a, a, like an average. Yeah, we'd like an average. We'd last all. We're after an average rating. 
so everyone can know that we're we're all right. It'd be really cool if you could. Yeah. yeah. Make it a good review, though. <laughs> don't bring our average rating Please don't down. bring the average rating down. I already lost... My average rating on Uber went down recently. Really? Well, it was like on my birthday, because I fucked up and I dropped. I was really drunk and I dropped chips in his Uber. And he gave me a bad rating. So my rating went from 4.75 to 4.68. So you lost some Malwell beans. Pretty bummed out, man. I'm not going to lie. But still pretty high score, so I'm not, not too worried. I'm a fucking ace Uber passenger, Danny. <laughs> Cannot stress that enough. I'd be stoked to pick me up in an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Eat your JK. Oh, eat your JK. Yeah.